Welcome to the Business of Buildings podcast, where passionate professionals in the building industry share knowledge and perspectives to inspire positive change in the places we live. In this episode, Michael LaWarren joins us to discuss how we can improve building design and construction by forging better human relationship skills. Michael is the director of Redshift Architecture and recently the founder of Unmeasured. Let's listen in. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Michael, how are you? I am well. How are you going? I'm great, man. Great. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining today. My oh, pleasure. I had a morning just dropping. I went to see the girls at Book Week at their, uh, the Book Week Parade at their school. Oh, yeah. So that was good. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right, because you're in WA. You can do all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm not allowed into the school yeah, at the moment. Still, are you in Victoria or you're in New South Wales? No, New South Wales. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, over here we're, we are in a bubble. Yeah. It's kind of hard to tell that what the world's going through right now. <laughs> it's very, very unique over here. Yeah, we're a bit privileged. I mean, you, you're even more privileged. I mean, it, it's not too bad here, but um, yeah, you're in a yeah. whole other world of, of like, it might not be happening <laughs> beyond the border. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> very lucky that way. Yeah. Anyway, this is cool, man. Actually, I just had a, I, have, I set these reminders up every day just for me as, with my own personal growth and journey. Um, it just popped up two minutes ago, break out of this box. Oh. So that, that's for my own personal journey, you know, how to, to, to break away from ego, to try to open up. And that's more, that's a longer story. <laughs> but I do know on your, your tagline on LinkedIn, you talk about um, thinking outside the box. What's, what is your tagline? Not inclined to stay between the lines. Yeah, exactly. And I think we met on LinkedIn. I've just been really impressed with the authenticity of your messages and your, your approach. And then I reached out a few months back just to, well, maybe a while ago, just yeah. to touch base. So that really resonated with me, yeah. how, uh, how honest and, and clean your messaging, your messages and your approach. Oh, thanks. I, I mean, I appreciate so you saying that as well as actually bothering to reach out for a start. Yeah, Definitely. So I thought about what do we talk about today? I mean, we could talk for, for a while, I reckon. Sure. The two things that came to mind are integrity and authenticity. Mm -hmm. So this is with me personally, but also in the industry. So the first thing I did is I just, when I was at the cafe this morning, I looked up the definition of integrity. So I'll just read a couple of definitions and then we can go from there. Sure. So integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. That's noun one. Noun two, the state of being whole and undivided. So we'll come back to that in a minute, mm. right? Um, and then authenticity is really not much. One thing that came up here, it says it's an adjective, not false or copied, genuine, real, having an origin unsupported by unquestionable evidence, verified, authentic document. And there's, I'm sure there's many other, other definitions to that. And then the other interesting point, I, I know you're an architect, obviously, that's your background. I'm an engineer. The definition of an architect as a noun is a person who designs buildings and supervises their construction, which is pretty, it's a very basic way to, mm. we obviously know it's not that, it's not that easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. And then an engineer is actually a noun or a verb, a person who right. designs, builds, or maintains engines um, or structures. But... Uh, Anyway, what, what do you see at, at the moment? How can the architect community support each other at, at the, in the current state of the industry? Uh, it's fun. 
conversation with someone that I often have these sorts of conversations with this morning. Um, yeah. And um, it's, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see, in a sense, the patchiness of um, the quality of work that architects do, um, I guess, both as, as leaders, but also like as design, like in their design work and, and in terms of servicing just the clients. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I mean, when you hear, when you hear stories of, of um, clients receiving really poor quality service, or you see the result of really bad design decisions that where anyone with a level of care and consideration would have not done, um, mm-hmm. it, like a, an example of, of something just being pumped out without much consideration for for the quality of the work i mean that's you know that doesn't help Mm. um yeah but i I mean the flip side is is that um you know when you're actually even just bidding i don't know if it's a flip side but when you're bidding for work and you're actually undercutting each other on fees then that doesn't help either um you know it actually basically one it devalues the profession um but not only that it actually starts to um, erode the quality of the work that you can do anyway because if you've actually underquoted on your fees and you want to actually kill, still keep feeding the office, then you can't afford to mm. have too many jobs where you've undercooked the fee and, um, and you're losing, constantly losing money because you go bankrupt that way. Um, that, that's brilliant. So we, we, we know what that means to service a client. I mean, we... For coming from the industry and having many years of experience, we, we understand what that means. But developers and those that are making decisions on selecting professionals don't think about that. What does it mean to service the project? Yeah. They don't appreciate how much time is necessarily involved. I mean, this is a hot button. This is really the crux, one of the main cruxes of the issues at, at present. I was, I, I was put on a, a, um, a recommended list for a project. An architect in Fremantle wanted me on this job. It was a heritage listed project. I put my fee in, it went away for a month. You know, it's at the DA planning stages. And then I got an email on Thursday saying, congratulations, you're successful. Mm-hmm. That's I'm like, great. oh, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. a relief. But then the next day I got an email saying, oh, sorry, he jumped the gun. They wanted me on the job, but the developer just said, go with the lowest fee. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I've worked with this developer in the past. I've done, you know, I've, I've proven myself to him. I've helped, I've saved him in a few scenarios. And I called him and I don't know, there's no point at that stage in calling him. I didn't call him from anger. I was just like, hey, Gerard, what, you know, what's going on here? I, I had some ideas for this project, and I'm trying to get feedback. What, yes. you know, what was the decision-making know, process? You, someone just called, and I didn't realize. Well, I'm still here. That I needed to. I'm still here. Are you there? Hello? Hey, Michael. Maybe switch to your right now. Something happened when someone called me. I don't know if you can hear me. I'm really. Uh, I can. Hey, Michael. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. We're back. Do you know what I need to do to stop that from happening? Didn't even occur to me. It's never happened before. Yeah, I've just put it on do not disturb mode. And the really annoying thing is, is that it's someone that I left a message with earlier and yeah. said, I will be busy between two and three. Don't call me. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> anyway. Um, That's all good. Yes. So, <laughs> so th this is, I mean, I was going to ask the question later, how, how can the engineering community help support the architect community? So this, and this, this is a really key subject for me. And I, I've had this battle in the past where I've, I've done work for architects and they, I'll blatantly tell them, why don't you go to bat for me? You know that I've proven myself. Why don't you go to bat for your team? Not, not a, it's not an ego thing. It's about if you know you want the best outcome for the project, you should be, as the leader, have the integrity to bring your team together and tell the client, this is what I want to see this through. I've had so many times now the developed architect will say, oh, sorry, you know, um, the developer chose and they pick off lowest fee. But it actually affects the architect because he's actually working with a team that he either doesn't, doesn't know or doesn't have confidence or doesn't have trust established yet because they don't have a history. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I'm a firm believer that architects should be in the lead and they should be that, – because that's, the, that's their role. You have to orchestrate everyone. Use your skills to bring everyone together and then bring the best solution to the client. But right now, it's, the architect's been undercut with that – in the, with the, the changing culture in the industry, mm. right? Yeah, I mean, there's a number of ways I can think to answer that. Um, but maybe I'll zoom out and, and kind of give an answer in a way that relates to your earlier question about architects supporting each other as well as, you know, how they can support engineers. And I think that it comes down to representation and um, how you represent the value or what is being brought to the, to the project um, by, the, by the individuals. And, and when I say zoom out, I mean, I think that even speaks to how um, architects or, in, in, you know, same applies to engineers, speak about other people's projects. And so mm -hmm. I think that, you know, if you start to criticise other people's work, um, then um, it devalues everyone. But if you, that's not to say that you shouldn't criticise anything because I don't think that that's right either. I mean, I think that, mm. that if stuff is worthy of criticism, you should criticise it. But if you're going to criticise it, then you need to explain to people what it is that is not good about it and what it is mm -hmm. that could make it better and what should have been considered. And then what that does is, one, it brings a greater level of understanding to um, the type of work that is done and what considerations are always brought into play into the projects, but also mm -hmm. in terms of what the failings are in terms of work, particularly public work, um, that everyone is doing. And so it could be talking about like a finished project, but it could also actually be the work um, that people do in actually delivering a project. So, you know, you could be mm. talking about the work that an engineer brings to it. Um, and so, um, you know, if you're talking about supporting architects supporting engineers, then, um, you know, particularly if you're working with, some, you've been working with someone for a while, then you can potentially have developed a shorthand, like you know each mm -hmm. how each other works. Um, and so obviously it's gonna cost the architect money because it's gonna cost them time in working with a new engineer. Um, but I think it also um, um, means that, that um, the quality of the work may suffer because if, um, you know, if, if you do a direct translation between fee and time, if the work is not mm -hmm. receiving the, the time that is due, then the quality of the work is all, in, almost likely 
to to suffer. I mean, it's, that's a gross generalisation because there's all sorts of nuances yeah. you can bring to it. But I think that that's you know a good starting point for that conversation. Definitely, that was a great point you brought up. I mean, every building I see is a is a concoction of thousands of relationships and interactions that go into making it happen. So there's, there should be more focus on the quality of relationships because that has a direct impact on the outcome, the quality of the outcome of the building. That's right. I mean, I think we're all in, yeah. we're all in this together. Um, and yeah. um, like it's in no one's interests to, um, for bad work to be delivered. Now, that said, if you, if you listen to someone like Brené Brown, and I, I kind of subscribe to this, um, where she says no mm -hmm. one sets out to do bad work. Like no one sets out to be a bad person. Um, no, it all comes down to worldviews and um, what people believe and what you know experiences have had and all of those sorts of things. Um, but it might mm -hmm. also come down to you know different people's priorities and um, you know if making something commercially viable is um, their priority as opposed to delivering a good quality of work, um, then. You know, it's problematic, but it's also understandable. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think that unless you start to speak to quality as well as um, cost, then, it, I mean, it's like that thing of that triangle of you can't have, like in terms of speed, cost, and quality, like you can't have all three. Um, well, that's a, that's a good point. I thought it, in most cases that's, the, that's true. But when you have relationships where you know each other, you know your skill set, you're just clicking because you know your, your boundaries and your skill, you can mm. have less time, better quality, good outcome. Mm. No, I think that's... You know, because I always look, I look at a project and I, can, I tell contractors, engineers, architects all the time, and I don't want to be doing this, but because the market is, at, is where it is in WA, I say, just send me the plans. If it's another engineer, I don't, you know, I, I don't... I try to say, take the ego aside, push it aside. My goal is best outcome for the yeah. project. If there's a better solution, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend it. If somebody has a better solution for a job that I've designed, I, I should be man enough to say, I'm, I'm open to a better solution if I haven't come up with it. I don't take it personally. If everyone, and that's where it, I, I, I agree with your point earlier, we have to have healthy conflict mm. and the ability to, it's not criticized as a negative word, but we want to be promoting the idea, I'm, I'm jumping around a bit, but I remember talking to an architect a couple of years back about the training regime that you go through in your schooling mm -hmm. and your, your apprenticeship. And architects are, you can correct me on this, but you're kind of, you go through the ranks learning crit criticism and critique by your mentors. In theory, yes. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's kind of, well, it's kind of bred into yeah. you. So you're, you're used to it. And that's, I've already, I've come to terms with that. So when I'm working with an architect, I'm not focused on me or them. I'm focused on the outcome. Mm. So because my heart's placed in the right place, I come with, okay, let's, let's challenge this. Let's go for a better solution here. I'm not going to try to just tiptoe around to keep them happy or make their life easy. But they actually, are, they get challenged by that and they enjoy it. They thrive from that. And we, we actually create better solutions. So you enjoy the project more. Like any healthy relationship, you're going to get that. Yeah. Um, with you, you have kids, right? I've How got many, I've, I've had a father. Daughter, yeah. Yeah. So saying, you know, your daughter has doesn't know much about the world yet. You're there to lead and teach. She obviously isn't born here with knowing everything about mm. adult life. But you have to kind of direct and point with heart and love. You're doing it with love and you have compassion. 
she might want candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, but you say no because of these reasons. It's not healthy for you. She doesn't know any better. You're not going to tell her, oh, you can have whatever you want. Do you, that, do you see yeah, that no, analogy? I, I mean, I, more, more of us have to, we support each other by being yeah. honest and authentic. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the thing that I keep on thinking is, is that despite the fact that architects um, um, are educated in that, um, in theory, um, kind of school of criticism, I don't think that mm -hmm. many architects or not enough architects are very good at taking, accepting feedback, um, unless it's positive yep. feedback. And um, I find that mm. a kind of interesting dichotomy. And I, I suspect that... Um, Really, even though, you know, when you're at school or, you know, in an office, um, there's not a, a culture of generous feedback and a way of being taught how to receive that feedback. And so as long as it's positive, they're okay. Um, but yeah. I think, you know, there's a lot of pretty, there's, you know, what, what might be termed radical candor when it comes to people, the quality of people's designs at university, but I don't know that that necessarily teaches people how to receive feedback in a constructive way. Um, that's interesting. Do you think that plays into the world of culture now? Because there's always that talk of this. I mean, not to go back on kids, but this generation of kids and teenagers and the twenty, they're they're just they've just been coddled their whole lives because the parents have been, you know, divorce rates are going up, so parents are more coddling them and trying to do everything they can for them, as opposed to directing the kids in the right way. I, yeah. you know, being stern and. It could be a cultural thing going I'm on. Not at the sure. Moment, I mean, in the world, I would agree with that. I would agree with that position because I certainly think that that's gone too far the other way. Um, yeah. But I don't know that that's what's been feeding into architecture. I mean, this has been a situation for decades. Um, you know, I, I started studying architecture in the, the late eighties, and um, I still see people of my generation right. that are, you know, they're not good at receiving feedback, um, and. Yeah. You know, if we talk about feedback, I think, you know, the problem with people giving feedback or, or good feedback is that we're not actually taught how to receive feedback. And so it doesn't matter how much mm. you've been taught to be able to give good feedback. If you're not actually um, taught how to receive good feedback, then it makes it more difficult. And so that's I a think, great point. I think it's a culture of learning how to give and receive feedback that is not really developed in a way that is constructive. That's true. I like that. That that's brilliant. I mean, what's an example of how to receive feedback in a constructive well, I mean, way? Because say, obviously, we're talking about the individual here. But what if you have a you're leading a project and you have three or four other architects that you're managing, and say another architect at a function talks about a job you had done and says, "Oh, that could have been done this way." You you then have a kind of a feeling of responsibility for your whole team. Like, don't go after my team. Because, you know, this is, in that scenario, how would you ex take the feedback in, an, in a clear, effective way? So, you know, the way that you can look at it is that feedback is a gift. And so you can choose to receive mm. the gift or you can choose to reject the gift. Now, if you, if you accept that, that, is, that feedback is coming from a place of generosity and they're genuinely trying to give you constructive feedback, then you can sit... Yeah. and um, consider it and go, okay, I don't like what they're saying. <laughs> it makes me mm. feel angry. Um, yeah. But let me just sit for a moment 
and see if I can see it from their perspective. So it becomes an exercise in empathy to a point that actually you try and actually sit in their position and go, well, why might they make making mm -hmm. that criticism? Is there any validity to it? Um, and how might I receive it in a way that actually I can use it to be constructively and do better work in the future? Um, now, if you totally still don't agree with it, then that's, that's kind of up to you. But if you accept that they've been trying to give it to you, or they've, um, they've been genuine in giving you feedback to try and help you, then, um, you know, then there's, there's probably something you can take away. Yeah. From. Some people are just malicious. And, um, you know, you can accept that if they're not... Yeah, I was gonna... Like, I think sometimes people will give feedback from the outside... Um, and it's very easy to criticise people if you're not down in the trenches. And I think that if mm. um, you're not down, if they're not down in the trenches with you doing that sort of work, then it's, they may not actually have the right perspective. And you can choose to not accept that, um, and that's fine. But there has to be a right time and place. I mean, one one you said perspective. Everyone has their own view of life, their own life experience, and we know this. If they're the only ones that know the true story on the project, are those that are yeah. in the trenches that know the ins and outs, their reasons why decisions are made. So the, the end outcome could have been because of, you know, budget limitations or restrictions on tender timeframes. And the trick, the thing is, and I'm, I always pull myself back on this too, to say, hey, Jeff, pull back. You weren't involved. You know, I got to tell my ego this, that there's more to the story than you know. Just like with projects that I've worked on, nobody knows yeah. the whole story behind That's it. right. And then... If somebody attacks or says something about it, well, then I'll, I'll get you'll get offended by it because they don't know the whole story. I guess the thing so, is, is that, yes, you can get offended, but how does that help you? So if you go, mm. okay, let's, let's take this yes. as a learning experience. It's like, how can I take this feedback and learn mm. from it? And there may be nothing you can learn from it, but if you actually make a genuine attempt to work out what the learning is for you from that feedback, um, then maybe mm -hmm. it will help you into the future. Yep. So I've got some notes here. So the, the, the industry itself is, you know, you have lots of different personality types. You have blue collar, you have professional, architect, engineer. They have different personality types across the board. I'm not mm. saying everyone's the same. But a builder has an archetype, a developer has an archetype. Um, you have lots of many people involved with those different backgrounds. You have lots of subcontracts and fees. and It's just there's a lot of uh, it's a lot to deal with. Right. But the majority, the way it's set up currently, there's lots of fear based on the contracts, lack of time, a lot of low vibe energy. Control is a word that comes up. Safety comes up. Risk management comes up. These are a lot of things that drive mm -hmm. our businesses as opposed to the high vibe energies like love, cooperation, innovation, compassion, empathy, community. Yeah. Right? Because those high vibe, those high vibe uh, uh, energies are not necessarily at the forefront of a business-minded person. But ironically, yeah. this is my take on it. If, those, if there's more love and compassion and heart brought into these projects, everyone will actually profit more. They'll do better. They'll produce better outcomes. You'll have a better culture amongst each other. When you have that sense of community and the ability to challenge each other, and when you're, when you're giving constructive feedback from the heart as opposed from the ego, people are going to take it. They're, they're going to take it and they're going to use that, that knowledge and they're going to receive yeah. it well. You know, I'm a firm believer in that. Um, so that, 
Yeah, I don't have I was the answers say, to how to I change that. Very easy to say, that. I think to change the culture to that point is like a big step. Mm. Um, and so it's like, well, it is. you can't do it in one big step. It's like, well, how do you start to change the culture in smaller steps? Um, I think, yeah. you know, there's a saying that I quite like that, that people overestimate what they can do, a, do in a day but underestimate what they can do in a year. And I don't think that this is a project that's just a year, um, but it's like no. it's a decade sort of project. But it would be interesting to think about how you might be able to shift the culture. And, mm. I mean, I, it comes down to leadership and um, because leaders mm. drive the culture. Um, so it's like, well, how yep. do you develop more leaders and better leaders within the industry? And you know, I can say the profession, whether it's the engineering profession or the architecture profession. But I think you definitely want more empathetic mm. leaders. You need to want to have more open leaders and humble leaders because I think that um, that is the only place that the change happens. And we have to be self-responsible as well. That's right. Right. And, and willing to look within. And, and, and being able to question yourself, your decisions, your, your place in it. If you can look, look within, look at your shadow and your light and decide, look, these are things I need to work on. That's how you're going to be a leader because you'll project that up to the well, industry. I, I mean, it's a matter of stepping up and right. just choosing to be a leader. No, not, not waiting for, for someone to ask you um, because it's mm. rare that someone will ask you to lead. I think just choose choose to take that position yeah. of leadership and to you know as you do with your podcast and and so on or or you know like lots of people do with writing or in terms of advocacy and and so on then you know no one's asking them to do that they're just recognizing that there is a need for people to step up and um you know there's there's different forms of leadership but yeah you know it's it's a case of actually choosing to do it with your approach, because this, I, I had a coaching session yesterday, just and I talked a little bit about this. Over the last few years, I've been wanting to voice up, be more authentic, and because I have a background from the U.S., I have a lot of experience, and I, I mm -hmm. kind of see the world differently. So I think maybe that's something I need to share, because I enjoy this. That sometimes I'll I'll pull myself back, just saying, "Oh, be quiet, don't upset anything, just 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 let it be as it is," but. Then I keep pulling myself back and say, no, you got to speak the truth. You got to be honest. These things that you're aware of, if there's a better way, you got to. And the reason I ask you that is because you're of a similar mindset. I can tell you, you have a similar viewpoint in a, in a way about um, voicing up. What did she say? My coach said that when you're not being authentic with yourself, you're, you're mm. living in the death zone in life. I'm... Right. Where you don't feel like you're thriving and you're not on your yeah, path. Yeah. And I think that the thing is, is that. Um, you know, if you're not stepping up, you have to, you have to be brave and not being unwilling to be, um, to be wrong, um, and be different because if mm. you're actually just maintaining the status mm. quo, then no change happens. And so if you want change to happen, then something yeah. has to different has to occur. And, you know, there's, yeah. um, you know, it, it takes, a, a an amount of bravery or chutzpah or whatever you want to call it um, to step up and, and be a little bit mm -hmm. different. And there's this fantastic video um, that, that Derek Sivers does where it's this crazy guy doing this crazy dance at a music festival. 
and he talks about this as being leadership and he said, okay. you know, um, he's doing this crazy thing and he's being a leader. Um, but then someone jumps up with him and does a, does a dance too and he said, okay, he's now got his first follower. But, but the first follower actually oh, is yeah. as important as the leader because the first follower um, and the leader embracing the first follower is showing that this is something that is potentially for more than just one person. And then when you get, and when everyone starts, and to then join everyone in, has a great time. It's like, okay, so this is, you know, this is yeah. a consequence of someone standing up and then a second person standing up and being seen to be being a bit different. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, none of us will change it overnight, but as a collective, we will. Like the architect engineering community is a collective, a collective consciousness. We're all, we're all one. And if you look at the individual, I'll read this, read this statement right here before you. I'm doing this transformation workshop. She says, before you get started, I want to warn you that while you are working through these steps, you will from time to time experience resistance. Your subconscious mind does not like change. It likes to keep you where you are because it knows how to handle that. For your subconscious mind, safety is found staying exactly where you are. So that the, the collective conscious of architects and engineers, that's, that's where yeah, we're at. We just have to be kids. honest with that. And as a collective, there's, yeah. there's more people. Yeah, to, I mean, the lizard brain kicks in. It's thinking. like it's scary. And it's, like it's, it's, it's something that you know, is uncomfortable. Yeah. So you just, and it, it never gets, it's always uncomfortable. Um, it never gets easier. Mm. So it's just a matter of learning how to deal with that discomfort or that fear. Um, and so, you know, yeah. the other thing I wanted to say was that sometimes, how do you, how do you deal well, with I think that, that sometimes that a leadership position, like some leaders have leaders. And so, you know, it's perhaps not so uncomfortable mm -hmm. then if you're actually choosing to follow someone that is choosing to be a bit out there and lead. Like it's, it's still uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but maybe it's not quite so uncomfortable because you're the first follower. Um, do you have a mentor in this space? Or do you have a leader that you, I mean, it could be an author that you oh, read okay. or like you've mentioned those videos. I mean, or an, an, an architect I mean, I that trained you lots up of people when that you were I talk younger. To, uh, in terms of the immediate circle, like I have a whole... Mm coaches community because I, um, I studied in the old MBA that was something that Seth Godin set up, um, who some people may be familiar with. So he's a marketer. Oh, but he's, yeah, yeah so I've, he's now interested I was on his blog in, for a while. in more um, education than specifically in marketing. And so I ended up being, well, having studied that I ended up mm -hmm. being a coach in the old MBA. Um, and so I now have a whole series of friends that are coaches. Oh, and so we often have these sorts of conversations. Um, and so, you know, I, I le I've learned a lot from him. I learned a lot. He's, I almost I, signed up for I that. I would recommend it. Um, but, um, you know, yeah. I know it's not for everyone. So I think that, I mean, I'm more than happy to talk to you about yeah. it. Maybe not in the podcast. But, um, yeah, that's um, okay. And, um, yeah, it's good to know. But I mean, people like him, people like um, uh, Brene Brown, who I talked about earlier, who I mentioned earlier, and um, Simon Sinek, mm. but also just people in my circle. I mean, there are architects mm. that, that I've learned a huge amount from. I mean, I worked at Hill Thallis, um for, for nine years and Philip Thallis there who taught me a lot. Um, and he is one of those people that I, mm. has stood up and is leading the profession and oh. leading like not just mm. on behalf of the community, but in the interests of the public. And so he's actually an elected councillor at the city of Sydney, as well as all the other incredible work that he does, both as mm -hmm. an architect and um, individual. So, you know, I mean, I think that, um, mm. 
and he, uh, well, I mean, he was also always incredibly generous to employees who worked there. We, we spent a lot of time just stopping work and, and sitting and chatting about stuff. Um, or he would pull out a book and, and say, hey, look, mm. look at this. This is how this works or, or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I think it's that level of generosity that um, is as much as anything that I aspire to, um, both giving and receiving. Um, I love that. Well, I talked to the CEO of Engineers Australia, Bronwyn, about two months ago, and you know they're looking at reforms and mandatory registration and peer review. They're looking at all these. I, I, I just wanted to drop the seed with her that I think one of the biggest issues and things they need to be promoting mm -hmm. is communication skills, like soft skills, written. And this goes back from when my mentoring back in Michigan, Tom McPherson, my, he's a brilliant mechanical engineer. He trained me up, but I don't remember the technical training. I always remember him mm. teaching me communication skills. When you're on the phone, sit back, sit up, right, have a smile, because that will translate across the phone, you know. And I thought, what, why is this guy teaching me these things? I'm only here as an ad graduate. Yeah. I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now I do. <clears throat> and these young engineers now, are, well, the technology we have, it's text, it's email. No one's really trained on how to use these tools properly. You know, back in the day, it used to be a lot more meetings face-to-face. -face. Emails, you check them before you send them. Um, that that to me is a big, and that that yeah. does, that goes with everyone. Yeah, in the I mean, I think it's. I mean, you can zoom out as well. I mean, it's not you just know? about industry. I mean, I always think that even if it's an uncomfortable phone call, sometimes it's actually better to pick up the phone and talk to someone, because I think it's it's too easy to send off mm. an abusive email or a slightly terse email or an email that doesn't really. Um, encapsulate the nuance of, of what you need well, to not even communicate. That, just some... And so sometimes it's better if people were actually to call. Um, yeah. Some will email like it's a chat. Like this is an email. It should be formal to some point because it takes up space in your mailbox. So it should be a formal professional document. And then the <laughs> other one, this is I'm jumping around here, but this is another one. Respect. I, I don't, I don't know if you have this happening over there, but in WA, I don't know what's, maybe it's been since COVID. You'll get emails like a day before. I've had this happen four times this year. Get an email from a project manager architect saying to a group of 10, oh, we got a meeting tomorrow, four o'clock. And they'll, they'll send it at the end of the day on the day before. I don't understand that. By email. So then you think, okay, are they putting in their perspective? Are they, yeah. is, are they empathetic to their, the other person's schedules? Or, well, are they actually thinking outside of themselves? Or are they just robotic? Typing an email, I've got a project, I've got deadlines. It's yeah. all about me, 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 as opposed to we, we, we. So that, that's another shift that, that, that should be happening. Because if you're thinking with a we mentality, a team mentality, yeah. well, then you are yeah. going to be supporting each other and looking after each other and giving each other that constructive feedback. Um, I suppose authenticity, a lot of these projects, the relationships are so stale and siloed that it doesn't make the projects very fulfilling when you're working through them. But the individuals are, are looking to do the right thing. But there's that. And this is my experience of late over the last four years in WA, just that people aren't enjoying it. I could pull I could ask everyone if you honestly tell me, are you enjoying what you're doing? And I call around, I talk to friends mm. and colleagues, and everyone's just like, no, not really. 
but it's what you do. You have to do it. You got to pay the bills. Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm thinking, why? If why you're can't not enjoying we enjoy it? it? I mean, my my opinion is, why if can't? you're not enjoying it, then do something <laughs> about it. It's like, why why are you sitting there accepting that? It's like, you know, it's it's a big chunk of your life. It's yeah. <laughs> It's horrible. I mean, that's why I'm changing my direction because I was like, yeah. I'm not enjoying this anymore. I need to try something else. And it doesn't mean I can't. Mm. What is your path now? I've, so my next path really, is... Like, what is your next, next so path? So really what I'm interested in is, is helping people um, and making stuff better. Um, and so Good. what I'm interested in is developing leadership and culture within the profession, but also doing that in a broader way by running workshops um, and coaching people and, and that sort of, those sorts of things. Oh, and, and even consultancy, because I, I, I see practice from a holistic point of view. And I think, you know, I understand little bits of practice. I I'm a, a bit like a generalist. So I couldn't give very specific accountancy advice or specific marketing mm. advice and copywriting. But I understand enough about those to see it from a broad perspective. But my main thing is, is that all of these things are skills mm -hmm. that can be learned. And they're human skills. And I don't think we're taught human skills enough. Um, but what I also don't think that we're taught to do mm. is question how we might bring the skills that we're already taught within, I'm talking specifically about architecture, and utilise those better in, in our everyday work and not just in service of our clients. So I think, you know, doing things, being creative, you can be, and being a designer, there's no reason why you can't bring that to how you design your business. Um, but also I think that, you know, all of that sort of stuff oh, can like be brought into more banal, banal considerations like decision-making. Like decisions inevitably are not um, uh, and or situation. It's just that we choose to say, well, I can do this or I can do that. It's like if you're actually creative about it, it's like, well, you know, you, you put your designer hat on and go, well, how many other options can I come up with? And once you've done that, then the decision prospect and maybe a better outcome and so it's like these people to use the example you're speaking to before hmm. all of these people that are sitting there engineers or architects sitting there going i don't enjoy this and it's like well at the moment their decision making process hmm. is i can either choose to do this and be unhappy or i can be broke and it's like well what are hmm. the other options i mean the other option is it's like well what can i change how many different things can i change how how many things can i think of um, to make this more enjoyable or what is it that I enjoy about this that I want to actually bring in and what is it that I don't enjoy about this that I want to try mm -hmm. and um, avoid and then actually bring that into how do you design your business such that it's, it's more enjoyable. Um, that's right. Yeah, too often the ego thinks in black and white terms, but you're right. Because my mother actually told me to have gratitude, like try to think and feel what are you grateful for in your current role? And when you start thinking and flowing that way, you're going to yeah. find lots of things you're grateful for. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, I you know, guess that's it's not all, it's not all bad, but, but that's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Service to others is your path. That's brilliant. I think that's going to be a, you have a good, uh, a good background for that. And that it's definitely yeah. needed in the industry. And are you set up now? Or are you it's ready almost, to Because I'll, I'll share your, you your contact details Look, out strictly so speaking. people can get in. <laughs> not quite you yet. Can, it, it, is, it is live on the net, yeah. but not the website yet. is still not quite finished. So I'm doing, to, I'm doing it in two halves. The website, which will explain everything, oh. um, is live on the net um, and um, is accessible, but bits of, bits of it aren't working properly and bits of it are missing information. Um, 
And then the other half of it, which mm -hmm. is the second stage, is that I'm building an online community as well to do this work. So that because everyone learns better together, you learn from each mm -hmm. other, you support each other, you make each other accountable. That is the most powerful way of learning that I know. Um, and so I want to do all of this stuff oh, basically definitely. through a community. Yeah. I mean, I would do, I will run workshops individually. Um, well, when I say individually, like discrete workshops, not just with mm. the entirety of the community. And I will coach people individually, um, not not in public, so to speak. But then there will be access to a community, which will be mm. um, with, where I'll run different different events. I mean, I'll, I'll probably run it with monthly themes based on different skills or like it could be a month on empathy, a month on feedback, a month on decision making, that that sort of idea and we can run and I'll probably run like a little tour and we might have a book club and, and study a book um, based on the theme, mm. um, maybe mastermind groups. Oh, I love it. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it'll be all online. Could I be involved I mean, remotely? Because when I'm I first started thinking about this, yeah. oh, I right. realised that, I mean, I'll I knew that. all of this stuff could be done online. Um, because um, I had done it in the old MBA like three years ago, but it's been really like one of the nice sticky things I think that will come out of COVID is that the idea that you can do things quite effectively and powerfully online, um, I think people's mindset around that has mm. shifted. I mean, you don't want to do everything online. I mean, it's, it's exhausting, but you can actually have powerful experience and actually make it better. Like mm -hmm. I think the idea of asymmetrical, not asymmetrical, um, asynchronous um, communication is actually super powerful um, to actually wait until you've got the right headspace in order to engage with something. Um, and that's the beauty of online work. Anyway, so this thing's called Unmeasured sure. and it comes from, so it comes from... Uh, unmeasured. And if you want to find the website, it is unmeasured with a dot R-E-D. So it's U-N-M-E-A-S-U dot R-E-D. Um, yeah. So you'll find it, but it's a little bit incomplete okay. just yet. I'm hoping to have it done within the next week. So maybe by the time this podcast comes out, That's... it'll all be up. Yeah. Look. No, There's no perfect like, timing. Eh? Done is better What's than great is that you've so already that's, started. And, that's, you know, that's all that once matters. it's up, you can, there's nothing stopping me exactly. from fixing it, refining it, making it better. And that's sort of the point. Here's an idea. You might have already thought of this, but this is something I've been thinking about for years. I mean, you have project managers taking mm -hmm. over jobs, and I told you I think architects should be leading it. Project managers are kind of a post office box in my mind and not really adding value. And I can prove that. I can say that honestly because I can prove it on every job that I've been involved in. Um, mm -hmm. But I always say when you have, a say, a $10 million development, you're working with architects working on it with through DA. There might be two three years in the making. Uh, this goes back to that 90-10 rule where you have 90% of mm -hmm. the time with 10% of the, the professional in that time. And then you get the architect's fees or you get the engineer's fees. You pull them together. You throw them in a room. And you say, okay, two months to get to tender. So you have mm. all those personalities and those egos and yeah. those, those time frames. And those individuals have other projects they're working on. So in that short time yeah. frame, you may or may not know the other engineers on the project. So – when you don't know, when you, ignorance leads to fear and lack of trust until you start working through the project. And then after that, you then like, oh, I know them now. I'll be ready to work with them again on the next project. But guess yeah. what? The next project that comes along, it's a different team. You never rarely get the same team. And I always thought, why, why couldn't, if you have a $10 million job, why wouldn't a developer see the investment in doing like a, a, 
a, a skills workshop ahead ahead of time. So every like I just I go back to my fraternity when we did a, a weekend retreat where we did uh, like mm-hmm. strengths training and you know but kind of bonding experiences, learning to talk, work out what your background is, getting to know everyone, getting to find out what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are, and and actually know them as a person before you get into the job, and then seeing them through the job as a team coach or a project coach. Because what does a coach do for a professional team? They bring the, the, t- the talent together. They get everyone to focus on a vision to see it through. Because you can have the most talented players in the world on one team. But if you don't have a clear yeah. lead and a clear vision, that team will not be successful. So I, I, I always say project coach is always what's been on my mind. That would be such a valuable thing to have on a project yeah, as I mean, opposed it's... to a project manager, a coach. To, to, to call in and check on a guy, say, oh, how are you going? Have they given you enough time? Or instead of saying, I'm going to tell everyone in this room that this project's due next week, as opposed to asking everyone, how is everyone feeling with this? Are we capable? Are we, do we have enough time to QA each other? Mm. You know, being more democratic. I mean, I think it's, than I mean, it comes down to support, and it's about supporting people to do their best work. And so if it's not like anything that is that, that doesn't, speak to that yeah. is, is, is kind of um, unhelpful, shall we say. It's destructive, perhaps. So that might be too strong a way of putting it. But yes. um, okay. I think that, you know, this idea, and I think that that's what a coach does. Um, a coach does support people in doing their best work. Hmm. Um, but it also is a coordination. It's like, you know, yeah. or orchestration, shall we say. It's like everyone has to be working together and working to the same yeah. Feet and working towards the same outcome, which is actually producing a work that is, you know, hopefully better than the sum of its parts as well. Hmm. You, you know what this is. You might have your partner, your wife, your, just a friend. You're, you're going through a tough time and that you just get somebody asking you, how are you? How are you doing? Just a pause. How are you doing? And you think, wait a minute, I am. I'm, I'm really grateful to hear that. Because actually somebody that's empathetic to my circumstance, mm. it's such a simple, subtle little thing. But how often does that happen, happen on an architectural project with the team? It's literally, oh, i got to meet yeah. deadlines. i got to do this, this, this. There's just so much pressure on that human element rarely comes into it. How are you doing right now? Are you okay? Yeah. Are you comfortable? You know, are, you, are, are there any relationships you're struggling with? Is there anyone you can't communicate very well with? By closing those gaps and clearing that all up, yeah, I mean, again, it creates a much more successful outcome. Feeling supported. And I think it's Basecamp. I read something about, I think Basecamp, a really super interesting organization. Um, And I think the way they talk about is that they have Mm. small small groups. And on Monday of the start of the week, um, the leader of the small group will go to everyone and say, what are you working on this week and how can I support you? Um, And... The, the person that's in, that does that might only be able to get to eight people, so that informs the group. And if not, and if like they say, twenty people in the group, then mm. that means that there needs to be more leaders that are there. And so you need to divide your organisation up such that everyone feels like they're being um, supported. Um, and I, I mean, I think that that's a really powerful and a beautiful way mm. of looking at how an organisation might be put together, because then it becomes far more granular rather than. Like one person at the top mm. just saying, everyone do their work. We know we need, we've got a deadline on Friday. We need to get all this done. Um, 
I think the idea that you that you're being supported yeah. is is actually you want to work as a team. It's like you you yeah. want to know someone's got your back, and it's all. I mean that that then speaks to trust, and I think that you know there's not a lot of trust Definitely. in the industry in many cases. Um, yeah. And I, I think that some of the things you're talking about now that I'm thinking about it, you know, speak to how do we develop better trust within the industry? Because I think that there's really, mm. you know, and that's between developers and architects mm. and engineers. And it's like all of the relationships, I think it's driven by money or time, but if it was driven by trust, then that would actually radically change everything. Oh, definitely. And, and we're, again, the opposite of trust is, well, mm. opposite of trust is fear. Lack of knowledge is an illusion which leads to fear, which leads to lack of trust. So it really, it's about sharing each mm. other's perspectives and knowledge. And that's what this is about. You know, everyone, everyone's actually, like you said at the beginning, we're all in the same boat. Everyone's in it to try to do their best. Everyone's trying to do their best in their personal life and their professional life. Um, so if there's any, any way to, to improve the system and how we work together, even if it's small, It'll have dramatic results. Yeah, on making jobs more fulfilling for for everyone. So it's yeah, and I always say I would I I was and I I had this experience the other day probably why I was more disappointed that I lost this job in Fremantle because I I had met I got referred to this architect and I met them I did a small job and I was like I was blown away they were they could understand mechanical and they really they understood and I was just excited about mm. the prospect of future projects knowing that they have mechanical knowledge. I said, I would say, I would prefer to work with an architect that understands mechanical because um, I, I, we can do more. And it's not about yeah. them taking over my yeah, job. Yeah. It's about we have more opportunities going forward. And I so also need to think when I'm on a project, I need to, I need to shift my hats. I need to think like an architect, put my head in, in their head, think like a developer. Cause I'm, right. So I'm, I'm always trying to learn right. a little bit on every That's... job about their role to then make but if everyone has that same mentality, as opposed to your fee says, I'm doing this, mm. I'm only electrical, I'm not going to go outside of my boundary. Even though I have skills that can actually assist the project that might be, you know, I always say if an electrical engineer recommends something mechanically that's better, yeah, I'm happy for them to voice up. So that, that, so that's another one. That's, that's, that's a trust line, that silo. Break the silo. Realize that I've used this before. I said, you know, architects are, are not, you're not mm. an architect. I'm not an engineer. We define ourselves by our title. And by yeah. doing such, I'm a mechanical engineer. Well, I've siloed myself even more. That, that I limit myself when I go into the room and I limit others' view of me as well, as opposed to thinking, well, I've got, you know, I started in 1999. I've got all this experience in the background at different projects. I bring all that experience to the project, just like you have a great amount of experience you bring that you bring you to the project you don't bring your title you bring all your experience yeah, I mean, to the project I, I mean it's kind of interesting i mean i think uh, some of the things you're talking about are, are really so, about mindset and um what and what what mindset you're bringing to it and it's like oh, well, if yeah, you bring a yeah. mindset of well, we're just going to pump this out and we're just going to get the job done then that's entirely different to how can i mm. support my engineer, like speaking as an architect, how can I bring a better project such that we can all have a better outcome? Mm -hmm. You know, that it brings a whole different atmosphere to, to the work, mm. just if you actually bring that. Um, you know, you could even ask yourself a question every time, 
you know, you send an email. It's like, mm. well, how is this generous? I mean, sometimes being critical is generous because, you know, it's, 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 mm. uh, what's, what's, how does she put it? Unclear is unkind and clear is kind. Um, that's what Brene Brown would say. And I think that that's actually, like, if you sit there mm. and you think about it, like, it's, it's hard to fault that. Um, and so if, you know, if the, under, if the engineer, for mm. argument's sake, not, not to criticise engineers, but, but under, underperforming at the start of the project, then it's, not, no. it's generous to tell them that they're underperforming and they need to actually um, pull their finger out, otherwise it's going to fall in a crashing heap. It's much better to tell them before it falls in a crashing heap than, um, mm-hmm. than well, I just lost my train of thought. It's, it's more generous to tell them way before it falls in a crashing heap than to wait until it does. Um, and so, but at the same time, I mean, you know, everyone has to have the same mm. mindset. I mean, I know that, you know, that feedback not, may not be received very well either. Um, and I've had that experience where I've tried to, um, mm. what would you call it, redirect the work early on because I can see that it's going to get out of control. Um, if it's not addressed, but they haven't, you know, they've chosen not to accept that feedback. Mm. Um, and there's only so much you can do in that situation. So. How, how, if you're leading a project, is it easy or hard to establish a culture in the way that you see best suited for the outcome? Like that, I see, if you establish a, a solid culture yeah. up front, it doesn't have to be that difficult, does it? <laughs> I don't think it is. If you I set mean, the tone, is like my realistically, point. is it easy to set it the tone? It's like it's, it's so no. easy for us to sit here and have no, this conversation and say what would happen in an ideal world. No. But I don't, I think that, um, I mean, I can, you can sit down at the start of a project yeah. and say, hey, everyone bring your best mindset to this and, you know, we'll trust each other and we can do all of this. And, you know, it can sound woo or, or <laughs> whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. Or you can do it in a, in a kind of a, a perhaps a slightly more business-like plan, but people are really are often set in their ways or they have pressures that are, that are outside of the project that um, it's very hard for, for you to address as the project leader anyway. Um, so I think you, all you can do is your best, um, your best to be empathetic mm-hmm. and to try and gen- generously lead everyone mm-hmm. through the project um, and bring a kind of, I mean, I think, all of these things come to, well, I was going to say just lead by example. I mean, I think, you know. Bring perspective. In, invite, invite feedback. And if someone gives you harsh feedback yeah, that you true, find um, hard to take, then to accept it generously. I mean, the, there's a, I was listening to a podcast mm. by um, Adam Grant, who's an organizational psychologist, and he was talking about talking with a guy whose name I've forgotten. Um, but I think they're um, investment bankers or something like that, or they're in finance, um, and I can't remember the name of the company either, so I can give all that information if you want to mm. have show notes um, at a later date. But they have a culture of, of like, um, what do they sure. call it? Um, it's not radical candor. They call it something else. Um, but basically, everyone in the organisation has to be 100% transparent and um, clear and um, you know and that goes from the post boy so to speak can actually say that to the CEO and it's welcomed and it has to be accepted and the thing is is that um, mm. 
everyone gets better and they learn from that. And that's, you know, the, it's not for everyone. And they, he, he was talking about it saying, look, you know, we lose about a third of our employees after the first year, year and a half, because some people find it challenging. But then the, those that, um, mm. that actually accept it, they know that it's actually helping them to get better. And there was this kind of sweet conversation with this guy that at their annual conference or a big event where they had just done a whole lot of research into the managers and they listed, <laughs> like I think they, they'd asked around feedback from mm-hmm. all of the staff and the guy that rated as their worst manager, they spoke to and he said, you know, I was actually really like, and he got up and you heard the recording of him getting up and he was sort of quite jolly. Um, he said, look, I am never been more embarrassed in my life, but I am really energized by this. Uh, and he was energized because um, hmm. he knew that he needed he, he knew what he needed to work on. He knew how he could get better. Whereas if he hadn't been told that, then he probably would have blissfully gone on his way hmm. and continued to be um, underperforming in a sense. Yeah, because we can't sometimes we can't see ourselves. We have yeah. we need feedback from others to give us clear direction. So having gratitude for something that, like that. It's important. Um, yeah. Something water. Oh, yeah. I can dig it out. Bridgewater. All right. Pleasure. All right, cool, Michael. That, I think that, that was great, man. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, and you're, you're definitely on the right path. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the, well, you're more, more than welcome. I'm excited to see how your to join adventure and, uh, develops. I am, I am limiting to be my, market, my marketing to architects, but it's not just for architects because obviously other people can benefit, but it's just easier if you have a specific target in mind yeah. as a starting point. Yeah. So, yes, that will be out in the world oh, very definitely. soon, yeah. all yeah. going well. Very good. Awesome. Our pleasure, Jeff. Okay. Cool, man. Yeah, well, thanks. thanks. Thanks a lot for your time. Um, Me too. Yeah. Have a, thanks. I enjoyed that Enjoy your, the rest of your week. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see, you see you, Jeff. Thanks for listening to the Business of Buildings podcast. Thanks to Michael Lewarn for sharing his great insights in the architecture and construction industry. We look forward to sharing more perspectives and knowledge in future episodes. Stay tuned.